Good evening, my brothers and sisters in Christ. This is the day that the Lord has made. We're rejoicing and exceedingly glad. He didn't have to do it, but I'm glad that he did. Amen. He didn't have to wake us up, but he did. Didn't have to give us the activity of our, of our limbs, but thank God he did. He allowed us to see a brand new day, and we are thankful for that. We're thankful for food, for clothing, for shelter, for all of the great and marvelous blessings that God has given unto us. He did. Whatever God has blessed you with, you ought to tell him thank you right now. Thanks be unto God of our salvation, who does so many awesome and wonderful things unto us that he doesn't have to do, but we're glad that he does it. Amen. Amen. So good to see each of you, my brothers and sisters in Christ. Who do we have in the room tonight? Amen. Let's see. Nancy Roselle is here. Good evening, Nancy. God bless you. Good evening. Sister Cherie is with us tonight. God bless you. Good to see you, Cherie. David Stevenson, hello, turned 30 today. Happy birthday to you, Brother Stevenson. God bless you. Shirley Bell is here. God bless you. Good to see you this, e this evening. Laura Wesley Young, God bless you. Good to see you. Kaola, God bless you. Good to see you. Mother Sexton is in the house. Good to see you. Mother Sexton, Josephine Griffin Bronson is here. Clara Roberts is here. God bless you. So good to see all of you. Terry Gray, God bless you. Our, our uh, uh, missionaries president who's uh, responsible for our Women's Day coming up this, this Sunday. God bless you. Sister Lavertis Walker, God bless you. We're praying for you. God bless you. Betty Palmer, God bless you. Good to see you on this, this evening. Barbara Hurd, good to see you as well. God bless you. Francis Moody is with us. Amen. You all are here. Listen, while we continue to get into the room, you know what we need you to do. Go ahead and share this with your neighbor and your friends. Let them know that K Chapel's Bible study is active. We are here. We are ready to get into the word of God on tonight and so glad that you are joining us. Amen. 
So glad that you continue to join us in this way and in this format. Uh, what a marvelous, marvelous uh, opportunity to get into the God's word together. And though we are not here gathered in this space, uh, we're thankful that we are gathered together, assembled together uh, in this manner and in this way. And I'm so glad that you counted not robbery to get on those devices, those computers, those uh, smart TVs, however you join us, that you do so uh, on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Amen. Listen, why don't we, um, amen, why don't we get into the word? It's already, uh, listen, I want to thank you for your prayers. Uh, I shared with you earlier uh, this week that we were in session uh, for our General Missionary Baptist State Convention of Mississippi. This was our spring session. We were meeting in the city of Canton, and uh, we did have a great, a great time. We, um, although it was only a day and a half, uh, Monday and Tuesday, uh, we actually started mission work on Saturday. Uh, so it it actually is sort of made for a long, a long time of uh, of mission and ministry. Uh, but it was so productive, so productive. Uh, we made impact, which was uh, absolutely wonderful. So I want to thank you for your prayers. I want to thank you for uh, being a part uh, of of not only the convention, uh, but being a part of this ministry that is an extension, extended ministry. Uh, of mine, but also an extended ministry of K Chapel, because we're all in this together. So thank you for your prayers. Thank you for um, uh, giving me the strength and the wherewithal to be able to serve uh, our state convention uh, on this on this wise. Uh, we do it because of your uh, your prayers and your support, and I'm grateful to each of you uh, for lifting us up in the way that you do. Why don't we have a word of prayer and we will get into the word of God. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, O Lord, for this day and for this time together, for the study of your word, for the truth of your word, for all that you give unto us. God, you are grateful. You, we are grateful for your graciousness. We're grateful for your faithfulness. We're grateful for all that you provide and all that the many ways that you protect and all the many provisions that you give unto us. Lord, right now we ask that you provide yet again, provide for us revelation of your word, provide for us understanding of what we read and what we study. And then God provide for us the wherewithal to do that which we hear. We ask, oh God, these things in the mighty and marvelous name of jesus our lord and our savior our christ we do pray amen and amen god bless god bless god bless so listen uh for the last couple of sundays i have been preaching and teaching on a subject uh that that we've been titled the good of gathering the good of gathering and from the good of gathering, my hope and my heart uh, has been to share with you um, a, some of the biblical teaching about the sacredness of the gathered assembly. I do believe that there is a, a, a theology of the sacred assembly um, that that is important for us to keep in mind because we have been scattered for 24 months. We have uh, been doing Bible study like this for, for the last two years. Um, and let me say that, you know, I said it on, on this past Sunday, uh, many of the things that we have adopted, um, some of which we were doing even prior to the pandemic, we were, we were actually live streaming before the pandemic. So uh, that that was actually nothing new for us. We will continue to do that. Uh, Bible study, we will continue to have some some kind of, of, of hybrid uh, experience uh, so that those of you who are logging in online can continue to do so. Uh, we, we, we're going to we're going to keep those things available. But I. I wanted to share with you the good of gathering because I, I don't want us to lose sight 
um, in 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 the uh, in this transitioning moment. Um, and I pray that it's a transitioning moment from the standpoint of of transmission rates um, continuing to be on the downward trend. Of course, we got some news uh, that that they're looking at a new variant and and those things, and so we're watching that. But uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully the, the 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 trajectory that we're on will continue uh, to remain. That being the case. Uh, if 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 all things remain as they are, and continue to improve, um, then I, you know, we we want to we want to encourage. Uh, we want to encourage those of you who, who are able. And who can. That you would return, to the sanctuary. Uh, that you would, uh, come back to this place. Uh, and gather together and experience the fellowship uh, of the saints live and in person. But let me say this. I don't want anyone who, for whom gathering is actually a physical challenge. I don't want anyone for whom gathering is, it means uh, something much greater than it does to the average person, right? Um, I don't want you to feel, to be guilt tripped into getting back into this place. Um, I want the technology to serve you. I want the applications that we have in place to be a ministry to you. Please hear my heart. Um, there are some people who need to stay at home, for whom uh, gathering is 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 physically uh, taxing, is physically. Uh, it, it 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 means a, a a level of sacrifice that the average person just doesn't understand, right? Um, if you're sick, if you're disabled, if over the last couple of years uh, your health or mobility has declined, um, let technology serve you. Listen to what I'm saying. Let this technology serve you. Let let virtual and online ministry serve you and and don't feel like at this moment um that 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 my preaching on the good of gathering uh is pushing you to do something that you are not physically able to do okay i hope you i hope you hear my heart in that okay i hope you hear my heart in that for those of us, however, for whom um, being at home is more of a matter of convenience than it is anything else, you are the ones who I'm saying, let's get back to this sanctuary. So, so for those of you who, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, it just, it just feels comfortable and convenient uh, to stay on your couch. I'm talking to you. There's no good reason for you not to be here. I'm talking to you. Okay. All right. So you know who you are. You know where you fit in those in those two categories. You need to figure out where you are and where you fit. Okay. Let technology serve those whom it should serve. But for those of us who can come to this place, who can gather and have no good reason not to, we want to invite you to come back to this place. Okay? I hope everybody heard me on that, all right? Now, why am I, why am I talking about the good of gathering? I'm talking about the good of gathering because the church 
what the church is and what the church does, primarily we have we have one major responsibility. I'm 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 gonna. I, we have one central mandate, and that mandate from that mandate comes a whole lot of other missions, a whole lot of other um, um, things that we should uh, do. But there's one central mandate of the church. One central mandate of the church, and that is to make disciples. One central mandate of the church is to make disciples, disciples of Christ, Christian disciples. Discipleship is at the center of the Christian church. Go ye therefore, Jesus says. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Discipleship is central to what we, the church, what we're supposed to be doing. And it is in and through gathering that the church does discipleship in what I believe to be one of the most meaningful ways, not the only way, but one of the most meaningful ways. Because I believe this, discipleship is best practiced in relationship with others. I said a couple of Sundays ago, it's, it's difficult to be a good Christian in isolation. Because there is this, this whole idea of doing life together, one anotherness, I called it. The Bible keeps giving us all these passages about loving one another, comforting one another, encouraging one another, praying for one another. There is a one anotherness that accompanies Christian discipleship. And so, and so, when we look at the mission and the mandate of the church of God, discipleship is at its center, making disciples of Jesus Christ. And I contend that discipleship happens best, not, not exclusively, but best in relationship and in, in, in practice with other disciples. Tonight, I want to, I want to share with you um, what discipleship looks like when it is lived out. I want to talk about basic eight, the basic eight of disciples, the disciples' basic eight. They're basically eight things that should accompany Christian discipleship. And here's how you know when, when you, as a follower of Christ, as a believer of Jesus, when you have grown in your discipleship, when you are really becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ? What does that look like? What does that mean? What does that feel like? How do you know outside of, outside of you confessed Christ, after you confess Christ, after you give your life to Christ, what are the things that you can look to or others can look to and identify that in fact, discipleship that you are a disciple of Jesus. Because Jesus offers to those who are following him some characteristics <laughs> that ought to be a part of their 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 makeup. 
and he and he puts it out there basically saying listen if you're going to be my if you're going to be a follower of mine if if you're going to be my disciple then there's some things that ought to exemplify that ought to identify you as being one of mine there's some things that ought that people ought to be able to distinguish about you and associate them with with being a part of me. And so as as believers, as Christian disciples, yes, we we have an obligation and a responsibility to learn and to grow in our own space and to be and to be dutiful and diligent as disciples in our own spiritual maturity and development but the church plays a critical role in the making of disciples in the maturing of disciples in the developing of disciples and when the church develops us, there are eight things that we ought to see as a result. Eight things that we ought to see lived out loud in the lives of Christian disciples. Number one, here it is. The first, the first of the basic eight, love. First of the basic eight, love. John chapter 13, John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, Jesus says this, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love, there it is, one another, as I have loved you, that ye also want to lo love one another. Verse 35, by this, shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye have love one to another. Jesus says, listen, basic, basic thing. Listen, before we go anywhere else, before you take on any, try to, you know, take on any other characteristic to identify yourself as being one with me, by this shall they know that you are mine if you have love he did not say anything about like he said love if you have love one for another he didn't say anything about putting up with them he said love them if you have love one for another by this so so before we go anywhere else we start with love. I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that churches teach enough on love. I'm, I'm not sure that preachers preach enough on love. What, what love really does how love really looks how love operates because because if we did i think we would see people behave differently paul tells us what love looks like in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I believe it is, where Paul talks about what love looks like, saying love is uh, patient. And you know, you remember that? Yeah. Though I speak with the tongues of men, thank you, and of angels, and have not charity or love, I become a sounding brass, a tinkling cymbal, though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. Though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not charity or love, I am nothing. Do, do you, <laughs> yeah, Paul, 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 Paul puts it out there and later on he goes on and he says, listen, love, 
Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not seek after its own. He says, love, love, love bears all things, hopes all things, believes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Listen. By this, see, here is, here is how Jesus says, they'll know your mind if you're patient with people. Because that's what love is. They'll know your mind if you keep hoping for the best. Because that's what love does. They'll know your mind if you don't seek after your own good, but you're always looking after the good of others because that's what love does. They'll know your mind because you are not proud of yourself and, and so egotistical, but you're actually humble because love is not puffed up, puffed up. It, it is, it is humble. They'll know your mind. Watch this, y'all. Because you're kind. Because you're kind. I I I I preached on Sunday. That last point I talked about was about coming, how to come back to the church. And I said, come back with grace. Make sure that you return with grace. Make sure that as you return, that that you recognize that that people have lived through through two years, you haven't seen them or heard from them, and and they've carried different crosses and had different burdens and dealt with different issues. Some you know about, but but perhaps most you don't. And so, if people look different than they did when you left them. Be kind. <laughs> I mean, we can we can say some thoughtless things sometimes. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is the thing by which people will know that you are my disciples. If you have love one for another. So that's number one. That's number one. You got to have love for each other. You can't get around it. That's the first basic principle or characteristic of a Christian disciple. Number two, number two, obedience. Obedience. John 14, John 14, 23 and 24. Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man love me, I love how he does this. You love me. Okay, you got the love in check. You say you love me. He will watch this. Keep my words. And my father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me, he that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the father's which sent me. Jesus says, listen, first of all, first of all, you'll know my disciples if you have love one for another. They will know you are mine by love, right? Now, here he says this. If you love me, you see how, how he builds off of this thing? First, let's start with love. He says, but now, if you love me, here is what love looks like. First of all, if you love me, you got to keep my commandments, keep my word. You have to obey me. Says you, you, you can't, you can't just love me and say it. You have to love me and show it. Keep my commandments. Keep my, I'm sorry, keep my commandments. Love me and keep my commandments. Yeah, love me and follow my word. 
He says, and you can't love me. You can say it, but it's not true if you are not obeying my words. Did you get that? Got to obey his words. You can't just you can't just holler and sing, "I love the Lord." He heard my cry. You can't just holler and say, "I love you, I love you, Lord." Today, you can't just sing those songs that those love medleys to the Lord and not have in your heart a disposition of obedience. Out of the heart, there should follow some hands and some feet that are in the word of God, following his commandments, doing what he says. So number one is love. Jesus says, if you love me, you're going to obey me. Number three, number three is sacrifice. We're going in this order because I want you to understand what the Bible says and teaches. Obedience is better than sacrifice. But sacrifice is a part of discipleship. Sacrifice. As a, as a Christian disciple, what are you willing to give up? See, because here, here's here's what I know about, about the human tendency. The human tendency is that uh, we want to keep what we want, what we like, we want to hold on to, right? But as a disciple of Christ, what comes along with that discipleship should be a new priority list. We should take on and there should be a new, we should have a new list of priorities. What's important to us now? And what's important to us before we were disciple? That should shift. Things that we were serving before we became disciples, that should shift. Those things that we were serving should now serve us. Priorities should change. Sacrifice, obedience is better than sacrifice, but sacrifice is a part of discipleship. And one of the things, one of the things, uh, let's look at Mark 16, but one of the things that, 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 that we cannot get around as, as, followers of Jesus is that it costs something. It costs us something. Matthew 16. Jesus said unto his what? Disciples. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross, follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Jesus says this, if you're going to be my, my disciple, if you're going to follow after me, first thing you got to be willing to do is deny self, sacrifice. Deny self. The things that, watch this, the things that you naturally desire that have nothing to do with God and the kingdom of God, you've got to be willing to deny those things. Deny yourself. Sacrifice. What are you willing to give up for the kingdom of God? What are you willing to give to the kingdom of God? What are you willing to release? and give unto the Lord and his work. Here's, here's what I believe. 
most most of what we give to the church probably never touches the place of sacrifice. Much of what we give. Much of what we give, we can afford to give. And I, I am talking monetary now. I'm not talking about your time and your volunteerism and all those things. That Those are precious gifts. And we thank God for, for, for you giving of yourself and giving of your time. Right now, I am speaking of money. Much of what we give monetarily never touches the space of sacrifice. In other words, where we give to the church and actually go without so that the kingdom of God can go forward. And I'm not, you know, I'm not indicting anyone. I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty. I'm just speaking the truth. We give what we, you know, can reasonably see ourselves affording. We tithe. Those of us who tithe, we tithe. But that tithe, and don't get me wrong, we, we could we could do other things with that money absolutely but okay let me let me put it like this because i, I don't want anybody to argue this point with me when jesus when jesus looks at the woman in the temple who gives her two mites you remember that right the disciples are watching all of the people who are giving this big money in the temple and they are impressed with these large amounts jesus looks this woman who gives the two mites and says this woman has given more than everybody because she gave out of her lack out of her need that is sacrifice and all I'm all I'm arguing is that very few of us get to the place of sacrifice. And I believe this that Jesus asks his disciples to be willing to sacrifice. Doesn't mean doesn't mean that doesn't mean that you you know you give everything over to the church and you don't have anything left for yourself. I'm not saying that, but I am saying that when was the last time that you gave and it hurt? I mean, I mean, you really had to go without some stuff. And perhaps the reason you haven't given like that is because the church has been hesitant to ask disciples to sacrifice. Yeah, we, we haven't asked disciples to, we, we've asked you to give, we've asked you to support the cause of the church, we've, we've asked you to tithe, we've asked you to give your offerings. When was the last time you heard us ask you to sacrifice? So part of, part of what we have to do and part of what you will hear us doing in our teaching and in our ministry and in our, our preaching is focusing in a little more deeply on discipleship and what it means to be a Christian disciple. If any man will follow after me, Jesus says, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. Let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. Jesus, Jesus puts it out there. And he's not shy about it. 
puts it out there and says, discipleship means that there's a different priority list and things that were ultimately important to you before get shifted to another position. And when they're shifted to another position, sacrifice becomes easier. Let me move on from the money issue because there are other types of sacrifices. There is the sacrifice of time. There is the sacrifice of, of effort and energy. There is the sacrifice of your expertise, offering yourself, right? Sacrifice, sacrifice, giving of yourself in ways that that it, that it hurts. And yet being a disciple of Christ asks of us sacrifice. Number four, number four. Um, Jesus asks us to love, to obey, to be willing to sacrifice. But then he teaches also about the idea of servitude, servitude in Mark chapter 10, Mark chapter 10, verses 42 through 45. Have I lost y'all tonight? Like y'all not saying much of anything. I started talking about sacrifice. Y'all got real quiet. I noticed that. <laughs> Verse 42. But Jesus called them to him and saith unto him, ye know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. Their great ones exercise authority upon them, but so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. And whosoever of you will be chiefest shall be servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus says this, listen, this is, this is, this is, this is, you know, disciples had a habit of fighting about, you know, small things, things that were ultimately small uh, in the kingdom. One of the things that they fought about was who's going to get to sit on the right hand and the left hand of Jesus. They, they fought about stuff. Who's going to be greatest in the kingdom? Jesus tells him, listen, if you're going to be my disciple, it's not about having great positions and great titles. It's not about people, you know, people having to call you this or call you that. It's not about how many people serve you, but it's really about how many people you serve. People will know that we're disciples by our willingness to serve them. Jesus says, if you want to be great in the kingdom, it's not about the seat in which you sit. It's about the service that you're willing to render. I'm amazed. I'm amazed. One of the great, I believe, one of the great, um, one of the great principles of leadership is not being too big to serve. Right? That that you can serve and that it does not take away from you to serve others. It does not make you small to serve others. It actually makes Christ large <laughs> as you serve others. God is magnified as you serve others. How do you know? Because the Bible says this, um, let your light so shine before men that they would see your good works 
and glorify the Father who is in heaven. It is your service that points others to the glory of God. And when they see people with titles and, and positions and, and education and, and, and all whatever you have, right? When they see people who got all of that, but they aren't too big to serve, we then make a statement about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. That at the cross of Jesus, we're all, I heard it this morning, on level ground. We're all the same. We all stand under the shadow of the cross. And as such, we serve one another rather than look to be served by each other. We look for ways to serve each other. Are you hearing me? We serve each other. And it's by service that Jesus says, they will know you are my disciples. Let me hit the, let me hit these last four, if I can. Was that four? Was that four? Yeah, I think that was four. Uh, Bible study. If, if, if we're going to be good Christian disciples, we have to engage in the study of God's word. And that means, first of all, reading the word of God. Why? Why should we read the word of God? Because 2 Timothy 3 and 16 tells us why. 2 Timothy 3 and 16 says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man or the woman of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. We got to read the word of God because the scripture, the word of God is given to us and it's good for us for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. And if we are disciples, we must read our manual. <laughs> you got to read the manual. You got to read the book. You can't just wait for me to preach to you. You got to read the book. You can't just wait for me to teach you on Wednesday nights. You got to read the book. You can't just hope that your Sunday school teacher tells you what it says. You have to read the book. That's your responsibility. That's your responsibility to read the book. John 15 and 7. John 15 and 7 tells us that we need to remain in his word. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will and it shall be done. Jesus says, listen, when you read the word, stay in it and let it stay in you. You stay in it and it will stay in you. Remain in it. If you abide in my word and my words abide in you, he says, ask what you will and it shall be done. Are you hearing? So we read the word. We remain in the word, but thirdly, we meditate in the word. Psalm 1, 1 and 2. Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2. Meditate in his word. Blessed is the man. Walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of, his, of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law, in his word, in his scripture, does he meditate day and night. So I read the word. I remain in the word, but I meditate on his word. That means I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm, I'm letting that word marinate in my mind, saturate my spirit. I'm meditating on it day and night. I'm listening to hymns, psalms, and spiritual songs, because in that way, I'm meditating on his word. That's why I say all the time, every, every good song that you hear on the radio Amen. You know, it, it, it might have a good beat to it and they might call it gospel music. But but if it doesn't have the word in it, 
It may not help you to meditate on his word day and night. So read the word, remain in the word, meditate in the word. But then fourthly, apply the word. Apply the word. James chapter one, verse 22. You know it. Tells us not to be hearers, right? But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. You can't just read it. You can't just hear it. You can't just listen to it in, in, in you know, hymns, psalms, and spiritual songs. But ultimately, you have to practice what you have read. You have to do. Do. You can't just, this can't just be, this can't just be head information. This has to transform into, into hand action. You got to do it, folks. We got to do it because that's what disciples do. Number six, number six, I'm going to go ahead and push to the end. Number six, disciples pray, y'all. Yeah, disciples pray. And Jesus expects his disciples to. How do you know? Because he says so in Matthew 6. Matthew 6, verses 5 through 8. He says, and when you pray, not if you pray. When you pray, not if you get around to it. When you pray, Jesus expects prayer to be a part of disciple living, discipleship. And when you pray, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily, I say unto you, they have their reward, but thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut the door, Pray to thy father, which is in secret, and thy father, which seeth thee secret in secret, shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, again, when you pray, it's not if, it's not if, when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. Jesus says, pray. I'm expecting you to. You who are my followers, when you pray, do it like this. Don't do it like this. Do it like this. Don't don't pray like the hypocrites. Pray like this. Don't pray like the heathens who 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 use, you know, these vain repetitions and say the same old thing time after time. Pray like this and make sure watch this that you're not just praying in public. Pray in private. Close the door. Go to your closet. Don't just pray when you come to church. Don't just pray when you come to church. Don't just pray on Sundays. Don't just pray on Bible study night. Don't just pray when it's your Sunday to pray. But when you pray, shut the door, go into your closet, and the Father who sees you in secret will reward you openly. Are you hearing me tonight? At six, number seven, as disciples, I'm sorry, as disciples, as disciples, we must engage in witnessing. What do I mean by witnessing? That's a word, it's a word, you know, we hear it in the church and we probably get some, you know, some strong ideas when we hear that word of witnessing. All witnessing is, doesn't mean you got to go knocking on doors. Witnessing, watch this, listen to me. Witnessing is living a life that points others to Christ. Witnessing is sharing your faith purposefully, intentionally, relationally in the hopes and through the prayers that others will receive your testimony. And that testimony, folks, oftentimes, it's been my experience, oftentimes it comes as much by your life as it ever does through your lips. Think it was, think it was Saint Augustine who's been credited with, with saying, uh, "Preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words." 
preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. The idea being that, that the preaching of the gospel is not always or not even mostly about what you say. It's about how you live. So Jesus tells his disciples, go ye therefore, Matthew 28, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy, Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus gives this great commission to go, to be witnesses, to, to speak, to teach, to baptize, right? And then uh, later in Acts, uh, the resurrected Christ does the same thing when he tells those who are in Jerusalem uh, to remain there and wait for the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you will be witnesses. The Holy Ghost will empower you, right, to go and spread this gospel to, 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 to Judea, to the uttermost parts of the earth. And, and, and here's, y'all, listen. I'm going to wrap this up, but here's the great thing that we have to ask ourselves right now at this time. Where are the uttermost parts of the earth right now? The uttermost parts of the world. How do we get to them right now? I would dare say the use of technology is one of the great ways that we spread to the uttermost parts of the world, the world wide web. And so I believe, I believe that, that while the church will regather in person, that this technology is here to stay. This technology isn't going anywhere. In fact, the church is just catching up to what the world has been doing a long time. And, and, and many of us have got to catch up in a big way because this is just the beginning, y'all. This is just the beginning. Jesus tells us to go to the uttermost parts of the world. I believe we ought to be exploring more and more spaces in, in these online platforms where people are, the people of God need to be. Yeah, we, we're scratching the surface. Facebook and, and YouTube, folks, we're scratching the surface in terms of where we should be. We're scratching the surface in terms of where we should go and how we should present ourselves and present the gospel in those spaces. All right, last thing, I'm through for tonight. Um, disciples, last, last of the eight, we must and should be a part of and practicing fellowship. Hebrews 10, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, you already know it. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of such of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. As disciples, there is a call for us to fellowship with one another, to come together. And that's what I believe is some good theology on the sacred assembly, that, there, that the Bible calls for it. And though we have been scattered and we've done the best that we could in those scattered spaces, that if we can come together and if God gives us the ability to, to come together, we should not forsake the opportunity to assemble together. Let's not forsake that. Let's not forsake that. If we need to stay at home, glory to God. If you need to stay at home, glory to God. God will be with you. Listen, you will see us. We will be there in your in your home if you if you put us on TV, we will be there, I promise you. But don't let the convenience of technology keep you from assembling yourselves if God gives you strength. If God gives you strength, 
God has given you the, the mobility and the activity of your limbs and the mobility to get here. God has given you grace and mercy. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves. I'm done. I'm through. I'm out of time. But this Sunday, y'all, is in-person service. And we shall gather together. Amen. We shall gather together. God bless you and God keep you. Let's pray, y'all. Father, we thank you tonight for the good of gathering. And we thank you, O oh Lord, that the church has been given to us to develop and deepen our discipleship. We pray, O oh God, that these eight characteristics would be a part of who we are as followers of Jesus. That, oh God, we would love, that we would obey, that we would sacrifice. God, we pray that we would take on these characteristics of, 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 of fellowship, of prayer. God, I pray now that that all that we have learned tonight, we would take a good look at ourselves and see where our discipleship is lacking. And Lord, as you reveal that to us through your spirit, that God, you would empower us to be good followers of you. Thank you for the church. Thank you for this church. Thank you, O oh God, for every church that, that stands open in your name. We have been through so, so much. God, you have been faithful. And so, God, we pray now and we give thanksgiving unto you. We pray now, O oh God, that you would stir in us that which we need to be honest with ourselves and to be honest with you, that our discipleship would be of such that you would be well pleased. Granted, oh God, we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen and amen. God bless you. Good night. We will see you on Sunday.